From Quoted Studios, this is Blank on Blank, distributed by the public radio exchange PRX.org. I'm David Gerlach. And this week, we're kicking off a special series called The Experimenters. We're featuring icons from the worlds of science, technology, and innovation. Support for this series comes from Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform where it's easy to create a website, portfolio, blog, or online store. With modern templates, simple drag-and-drop tools, and 24-7 support, you can build a professional website in minutes. For a 14-day free trial and 10% off your first purchase, go to squarespace.com slash blank on blank. Now to this week's episode and the one and only Amy Drozdowska. Buckminster Fuller's story has that magic about it of the underdog who made it, the guy voted least likely to succeed who actually became famous. He was kicked out of college, booted by Harvard not once but twice. As a young man trying out jobs, he preferred to work with his hands, and he was more at home with mill workers, meat packers, and sailors than professors. He's most famous for his geodesic dome. Think Disney's Epcot Center. You could call him something like inventor, philosopher, engineer, architect, artist. But really, he was outside category. He wanted to do a lot with a little, to make the world a better place. And the tape we found told us he also had his own deeper, more personal reasons for what he did. You'll hear in just a bit. He spoke with Studs Terkel for Studs' Chicago radio show twice, once in studio in 1970 and the other five years earlier. And that's when he and Studs rode around in a station wagon through the rapidly gentrifying neighborhood Lincoln Park. A conversation with Fuller was like running through a hedge maze. He spoke in fragments, these big ideas, endlessly around the corner from others, warm and charismatic the whole way. Studs is firmly there, both holding the reins and along for the ride, addressing him with all due respect. But as you'll hear, Buckminster Fuller wasn't too big on formalities. Here's the tape. One of the most original spirits of our time, Buckminster Fuller, sings of man's potency. Everyone aware of his work agrees that Buckminster Fuller is one of the original minds of our time. I was born in the era of the specialist, and I set about to be purposefully comprehensive, just the opposite. And I made up my mind that you don't just find out something to entertain yourself, you must find out things in order to be able to turn everything, not just in a philosophical statement, but into actually tools. I must reorganize the environment of man, by which then greater numbers of men can prosper. That's been my main undertaking. We, we can turn this tape, there's no problem. There's so many questions to ask you, Mr. Fuller. You're you calling me Bucky. Bucky. I was married in World War I. My first child was born, and she caught the spinal meningitis and infantile paralysis. It was an awful struggle where this child lived to just before her fourth birthday, and she died in uh, November 1922. So for five years, I was feeling really horribly sad about this kid. I, f- I felt that uh, if the kind of technology that went into making a battleship and an airplane and guns had gone into, I'm sure this child had caught these things out of the environment, and I was sure that there's something wrong about our environment. In the Navy, I learned how to navigate. I used mathematics very powerfully. I learned how to calculate. I was sure things were just not being done in logical ways. In 1927, our second child was born. At that time, I had a, suddenly a new child after five years uh, going out that girl who loved so much. 
I said, I, I've got a chance now to look out for this new life, and I'm going to have to really rethink everything I have. I had absolutely no money, and suddenly this new child, and everybody tells you you've got to earn a living. I said, I think this is absolutely a blinding thing. I'm either going to say you go out to make money or you're going to make sense. I recall in Chicago wheeling my little child in her baby carriage in Lincoln Park. I was amazed because a little biplane went over Lincoln Park. Airplanes were not very common in those days. I said, isn't it amazing? Here's my child looking up at that airplane, and that airplane in the sky is as natural to her as a bird, because when I was born, the airplane did not exist. It, it was really the, sort of the beginning of impossible things happening. I began to feel for what really needs to be done in the very biggest way. Well, I found that I, I couldn't improve an airplane very much, and I'm not going to improve the electronics very much. There are very many pe people preoccupied with that. Where man was living, he was really very ignorant. It's where people live that need attention. And I saw that the, the way in which we built was very, very ignorant. When you build a boat, it's got to float. <laughs> so you learn to do a whole lot with little. It's got to be strong enough not to sink. It's got to carry a cargo. The world of building on the land was very different from the sea and the sky. So I saw, why was the difference? Because man used to build fortresses. And the heavier and higher, the thicker the walls, the more secure it felt. Some people think of the house as a fortress, yes, rather than a place to live. So I'm going to see what happens if I will take the kind of technology that's gone on the sea and the sky and apply it over to the land. So many things to ask you, Bucky, that you have foreseen. I'm thinking of your geodesic dome. Do you see actually roofed cities ever? Uh, we're continually doing more with less, and my geodesic domes do a very great deal with very little. But I think they're only symptomatic studs, and I wouldn't be surprised if we found ways to control that environment over the city without even seeing the roof there, that an electrical field control, and so we could make the water go and dump over here and pipe it there and so forth, whatever it may be. It seems that uh, Buckminster Fuller speaks outrageously, and yet you've come up with so many outrageous explanations that turn out to be right and accurate and true and practical. Time and again I am asked, who else do you know who thinks the way you do or does what you do? And I find it very strange to have to answer, I don't know anybody else, simply because I really did choose a very different grand strategy, and not because I think that I have capabilities other human beings don't have. Mr. Fuller, visionary and inventor, from conversations with Studs Terkel in 1965 and 1970. Studs Terkel passed away in 2008, but he left behind a lifetime of work to instruct and inspire whole new generations, among them, of course, media makers like us. And part of this legacy are the interviews, 45 years worth, from his radio show at WFMT in Chicago. Special thanks go to the team running the Studs Terkel radio archive there. Listen to those original conversations with Buckminster Fuller, plus hundreds of others you'll want to hear at studstercle.org. This is the first episode of our new science and innovation series, The Experimenters. Thanks again to Squarespace for their support. Support for this series also comes from the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, enhancing public understanding of science, technology, and economic performance. More information at sloan.org. You can watch the animated version of this episode on our website, blankonblank.org. David Gerlach is the executive producer of Blank on Blank. This episode was produced by me, Amy Drozdowska, along with David. 
Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and now Instagram, and learn just what we're uncovering lately in the archives. Before we go, here's one last thought on the built world, land and sky, from Buckminster Fuller. My daughter, who was, I was wheeling the baby carriage, who had an airplane as normal in her sky, now has her daughter. And that daughter was born in New York, and it was right in the flight path for the flights out of LaGuardia and Idlewild. And this little child then, in her crib, <laughs> would hear this, this airplane go, and so she saw many thousands of airplanes before she ever saw a bird. And I saw the children's books that were sent to her, which were the same kind of children's books that were sent to me when I was a child, so they were farmyard, there was the barn and all the nice natural things that a child would see, the horse and the pig and the cow and the goat, sheep, rooster. Uh, my granddaughter <laughs> in New York City looked out the window and saw those airplanes and she saw the automobiles going by by the millions. But when they gave her this, this farm book, she'd never seen a sheep or a cow or thing. And as if you gave her these imaginary pictures of dragons and things. And she was very accommodated, but she laughed about it, they were very amusing. <laughs> but they weren't natural to her. Mm-hmm.